Hello and welcome to the third episode of Brass Monkeys. You're with Brass Monkey 1, that's me and Brass Monkey 2 over there. Welcome. If you're just discovering Brass Monkeys for the first time, uh, this is a little bit different probably to a lot of the things you listen to, whether it's a podcast, YouTube channel or other ways of listening. Like Just to give you an idea of how this works, though, uh, every week we come on and we waffle for about half an hour about things that interest us and maybe interest you. We're not political, but we do have an opinion on things and we maybe will say things that will offend you occasionally. That's the way it goes. We encourage you to get in contact with us and let us know what you're thinking. And it's just basically an opportunity for us to, shall we say, chew the cud. But let's start with a look at the uh, Monkey News headlines. Brass Monkeys is based here in the UK, so uh, unfortunately, yes, feel sorry for us, we have the Johnson government. Yes, we're under under the yoke, under the yoke of the yokel. I have just been to see Her Majesty the Queen. All this and more we can do now and only now at this extraordinary UK assets orbiting in space with all the long-term forgotten people and the left-behind town. It's perfectly true that I have had some drugs. We aren't really the UK anymore. Once upon a time, we were a proud United Kingdom. Today, we are a dissolute bunch of disparate countries. Our particular bit, England led by... Herr Johnson. This week saw the uh, the final unveiling of the infamous Russian report, uh, a report that was designed to get to the bottom of whether there had been Russian influence on the sovereign state of the United Kingdom. It was finished about 10 months ago and was sat on very heavily by Herr Johnson. The government, or should I say number 10, have repeatedly come up with excuses why they could not publish the report. Fast forward to the last few weeks, and this is where the story gets really interesting, because the report was commissioned, most importantly, by the Intelligence and Security Committee, which is a committee within the British government. The chair of that particular committee was up for grabs, and Boris Johnson's and the man whose name we cannot mention, but I'm just going to say Barnard Castle to you, their preferred shoe-in was none other than Chris Grayling, also known as Failing Grayling. And he's called that because basically every department that he's ever touched, he's cocked up. He is a complete and utter So he was the shoe-in because he's a yes man, because they know that he's not very good at his job. And therefore, if they put him into that job, they can tell him what to do and what to say. Failing Grayling failed to get the gig. Instead, a Conservative MP called Julian Lewis managed to secure the votes of the opposition, as well as some of his own fellow MPs, and he got the gig of chair of the Intelligence and Security Committee. And lo and behold, he then lost Conservative whip, which means he lost the support of his party, of his Prime Minister, but also, and most importantly, he made sure that the report was published this week. And my God, was it damning. Absolute and total proof of how many fingers of the Russian state are involved in the sovereign affairs of the United Kingdom. I'm not saying there's corruption there, but I tell you what, it's not far off the mark. And when you've got Russians who own the Evening Standard, the masthead newspaper of the financial capital of 
certainly Europe, if not the world, and not far off that. And when you think about all the Russian oligarchs who've made their homes here, who own vast amounts of property, whose wealth creeps into just about every pore of this country. When you think about that and the fact that some Russians are actually married into uh, our government, when you think about all that, you start to think, hang on, I smell something a bit fetid, don't you? It's a bit stinky, isn't it? I mean, it makes the Profumo thing look like a little joke in the in the back pages of a of a newspaper ironically doesn't well, that it? was you... that was all a bit of slap and tickle really wasn't it this is this is far more serious the fact that it cut to the heart of government at the time it was a complete scandal and the film that came along many years later was named that because it was a complete scandal i know times were different then but if you think about it this is far far worse than what was actually potentially going monkey on with this, Keeler. this is off the scale monkey too because it's about so much more than one minister infatuated with a, an attractive young woman. This is about a concerted effort by a foreign power to influence this country. And this is about, as I said, I'm not accusing the government of corruption, but what I am saying is that they had a pretty good idea of what was going on and for one reason or another chose to ignore it. Well, it suited their purposes, didn't it? It suited their purposes to look the other way and let it carry on so that they could get Brexit through ultimately and, and then jump up and down and call them the bogeyman once once the cat's out the bag. What's more there, Monkey Toot, staring down that rabbit hole that I talked about last week? Who is down there? What is the end game? I'm going to leave it there because I think, you know, this is an area that we will be coming back to week after week. What are your ideas? What are your thoughts? What information have you got that you'd like to share with us here at Brass Monkeys. Yep, get in contact. We're Brass Monkeys, at Brass Monkeys on Twitter. We're everywhere. If you just search for Brass Monkeys, B-R-A-S-S-M-O-N-K-E-E-Z or Z if you're the other side of the pond, uh, we'll come up. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube, we're everywhere. Give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. We certainly would. So sad news this week, uh, Monkey Two. I don't know if you were a particular fan of this magazine, but Q Magazine is closing. Yes. It's ending. Yes. It's the end of an era. Old codgers of a certain age are going to be bereft. I'm sure. Sure, they will. But they're unfortunately they're the ones that have probably driven the demise of the print circulation magazine they're the ones with all the money to sit and read on their ipads now and you can find whatever you like wherever you like on the world wide web it's a very sad time um i was never a huge reader of q i have to confess i was more an an enemy and vox man myself but um at the same time it is very sad whenever anything like this closes because it's part of our history i was going to say q magazine was one of those difficult to pigeonhole magazines wasn't it fundamentally it was a music magazine but it was it was a cultural magazine at the same time it it, it saw itself as maybe a little bit more a bit more gross, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely it was it was reasoned it was considerate he was uh, q if he was a member of your family would be like your 40 something brother who's done quite well for himself he's got a decent job drives a nice car and enjoys a fine whiskey from time to time q is one of those because for a start it had quite a cool title because there's not many magazines that have just a letter yeah, yeah, named after the man that gave James Bond his Aston Martin, if nothing else. Or am I getting my getting my magazines and my quartermasters you know mixed what? up a bit? It doesn't matter, Monkey 2. Let's run with it. 
Let's run with that. Let's run with that James Bond connection to Q magazine. I'm sure James Bond featured more than once in Q because they did also, as well as doing music, of course, they did film and they did popular culture. They did all sorts of things. It was quite a broad church. It was, as I say, it was a lifestyle magazine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about yeah. the good things in life. Yeah, perhaps that's perhaps that might very well be their downfall. You know, if they're trying to cover all the bases, unfortunately, you're never going to satisfy all the people at the same time. So now you can just go online and search for the thing that interests you and not have to wade through all the uh, film reviews of things like Teenage New Ninja Turtles or whatever else was big at the time when all you wanted to do was find out about the latest Bond film or the latest uh, Leonard Skinnerd reissue or whatever it was that week. Here's a thought. If we'd launched Brass Monkeys in the print era, what kind of magazine would Brass Monkeys have been, do you think? Ooh, I don't know. The sort of thing that was being photocopied the night before and stapled together and given out at gigs. I don't feel that we're worthy to put into the same categories, but I see us as as a hopeful uh, adolescent cross between Private Eye and Viz. Yeah, I'd like to think so. We're growing into that mould, I would hope. I think Without, we, we without so- the sharp humour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly not yet not yet we're still honing our craft no i think you know in all seriousness i've certainly drawn my influences from both of those uh very august publications and both of which are still available in paper form and long may that continue and that says a great deal doesn't it actually the fact that they are available in print well yeah i mean they're very much toilet reading material and you don't really it's want to about our level then isn't it thing. monkey too <laughs> well you don't want to take your digital toys into the bathroom too much you might drop them down the loo better that you can take something disposable and at a push and as we all know toilet paper has been in short supply in recent months when you think about when you need some kind of device whether it's to clean your ass or anything else you normally turn in this day and age to Amazon. The reality is it's become so easy, hasn't it? Just fire Amazon on your phone or on your laptop, your tablet, whatever else, and just punch in a few words. And lo and behold, it usually appears. And it usually appears at a price that you think, oh, that's not bad. Well, I might, might just buy that just for the hell of it. If it's no good, it's not the end of the world. But have you ever thought about where it's coming from? It seems to me that everything I've bought off Amazon in the last six months has come from the People's Republic of China. Everything. I mean, everything. I don't know about you, Monkey Two. Are you are you an Amazon shopper? Uh, I absolutely am. I am looking at a microphone. I'm looking at a microphone stand. I am looking at a cable. All came from Amazon. All at a very good price, and all delivered the next day because we've all bought into it. Literally, we have bought into that model. I do look around online. I do try. Uh, I will look on eBay and I will look at specialist shops. I mean, particularly when you're shopping for stuff like audio equipment, then, you know, there are specialists out there and they will do their best to try and match Amazon. But when you consider the buying power that Amazon have and the reach, the fact that they can stock warehouses full of this stuff and get it to you tomorrow, they're on a hiding to nothing, aren't they? This is the scary thing, isn't it? Our inner drive for value, for, for a good deal. You've hit the nail on the head when you said about, you know, you, you know, you try and shop around and you are actually going to specialist suppliers wanting to give them the opportunity, but knowing that ultimately they can't compete with the price that you can get. And ultimately, that's a decision that you and I and every listener to Brass Monkeys is making every time we hit the buy now button on Amazon. Yep. We're responsible for the death of the high street, and there's no doubt about it. Obviously, Amazon have a very, very clever and a very enticing sales model, and and we will buy stuff from them because it is so convenient, and that's what they're selling, convenience. 
backstory to all of this about Amazon and China is actually linked to um, the lockdown. Let's not forget, it's not just the UK, it's been the world. And Amazon is a global brand, a global shop window. And here's a figure for you, which I found absolutely astounding. During the lockdown period across the globe, Amazon, well, not Amazon, we're talking about actually Jeff Bezos, who is Mr. Amazon, the wealthiest man on the planet. He has amassed 13 billion dollars just think about that figure for a minute i'm sure he must do. i am absolutely certain he must give a fair proportion of his income to charity if nothing else because it's a tax fiddle oh sorry let me rephrase that <laughs> not a tax fiddle it's a um a tax deduction that can be offset against your your wealth and then the government looks kindly upon you and i'm you know i have no axe to grind with jeff bezos whatsoever i mean he's obviously found a very successful way of doing business and he's reaping the rewards and we're all helping him do it so i can't really complain but I would like to think that some of that money is being used for things like scientific research, for finding a, a cure to COVID, if nothing else. But, you know, things like cancer. Why do people have birth defects? Send some money to try and sort that out. I mean, $13 billion could do an awful lot of good. Even a fraction of that, even $13 million would do an awful lot of good. $13 M billion is an inconceivable I amount. And that's exactly my point. I, I agree with you totally. I have no axe to grind with him. Um, I, I just would like to think that possibly as the most wealthy man on the planet and in the environment that we are in, when, quite frankly, I'm not sure how he would spend the rest of his fortune, it might be nice to say, do you know what? I'm going to make that 13 billion count for the planet by doing something. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath because mm. I would be a dead man. Oh, a dead monkey, I should say. <laughs> Speaking of um, people whose influence and wealth are growing rapidly, the the other one who comes to mind is um, is the man behind Tesla, Elon Musk. And I have to say, I find myself increasingly giving way to Teslas, the electric mm. car, which, of course, is a product of Elon Musk. Well, not him personally, but of the team of very, very clever engineers and scientists that he's got working for his company. He's a bit of a, an enigma, isn't he? He's a bit of a mystery man. He's an odd man. <laughs> We're saying goodbye to a decent relationship, or at least a half-hearted relationship, with China and Russia at exactly the same time. So who do we turn to? Who could be our saviour at this moment of desperate need? Ladies and gentlemen... I point your head towards the United States of America. Oh, the joy. How many states are there in the US? At the moment, there's 50, and I can't help but think in my lifetime, we're probably going to be the 51st if things carry on the way they're going. It's insanity. My views on Brexit, I'm, I don't think I'm hiding anything when I say I think it is the most ludicrous, ridiculous and stupid idea that was sold to people with a, a rose-tinted spectacled view of 1950s britain and <laughs> you know i i just i i'm not going to go into it because my blood pressure i know i can i could already me. i could already detect it yeah no let's not go there but ultimately we're being driven into the arms of a of a waiting america where we will do anything and everything for them the special relationship has always been skewed but you, you think it was skewed before just you wait until we crash out of the eu we're going to be america's bitch and i'm afraid that's the word that you 
you have to use that is absolutely true we are going to do anything and everything they want us to do and the the thought does not fill me with a lot of happiness i'm happy to have a relationship with america they're good people to be on side with and historically we always have had a good relationship but it's going to be incredibly one-sided from now on monkey do you consider yourself to be a lucid i can't think of the bloody word i can say cognizant do you consider yourself <laughs> to be a lucid and cognizant individual simian uh on the whole yes but it depends if i've been at the fermented banana juice or not you haven't been so far this evening have you no 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 i'm right. uh, i'm clear and lucid and repeat just after water. me then repeat after me man woman man, woman car car house house camera camera good just remember those i shall try so uh, for those of you just joining us and wondering what the hell this is all about, this is Brass Monkeys episode three. Welcome along. It's great to have you. Hope you're enjoying it. If you're not, let us know anyway, because the thing about being monkeys is we're fairly resilient. We're fairly tough skinned. Get in touch with us at Brass Monkeys. Just search for us anywhere on the Google at Brass Monkeys. Monkey spelt M-O-N-K-E-E-Z or Z if you are the 50 states place that we mentioned just now. And that should find us if you search anywhere and everywhere. We are popping up all over. This is Brass Monkeys. So we've come to that point in the episode where we have to talk about Trump. Do we have to? No, no, we don't. Actually, no, we do. Just briefly, just briefly. Mm, go on. Uh, Monkey 2, do you remember I asked you to uh, remember some words? Uh, you did, you did. Do you want to uh, recall what those words were, please? <sighs> oh, okay. Scratches, scratches head. Uh, man, woman, car house and camera well done monkey too you've done a great job you've recalled them perfectly hooray just as well as donald trump did when he took a test a test to prove that actually all his cognizant functions were correct and and there is a brilliant clip circling on youtube or oh, several clips actually of him talking at length about him having taken this test it's all basically on the back of he's trying to um cast aspersions on his presidential opponent joe biden by suggesting that biden uh is losing his lucidity um so trump being trump is kind of going ott as he does with everything to prove just how amazingly wonderfully brilliant he is and the fact that the doctors were astounded with his performance in this test <laughs> so much so that he's actually recalling the questions but he manages to get the order wrong when he's telling the reporter about the details of the test. So he actually goes, man, woman, car, house, camera. And then I was told to, to say it back and I got it just right. Man, woman, camera, car, house. And it's like he doesn't even realise he's got it wrong. Oh God, when will he fuck off? You've Sorry. done it again, haven't you? Monkey listeners, all I can say is, you know when Monkey 2 is getting riled when the F word appears. It's not often it happens. I usually know that if I mention Trump enough, it will happen. Best get your bleep machine ready. The remaining bit of the podcast is going to be very, very dull. Monkey 2 will fall out of his tree.
No, we don't want that. I've not even been drinking fermented banana juice yet, so at least I'd have an excuse later. This is Brass Monkeys in lighter news. Let's turn to one of our favourite topics, which is nostalgia. Uh, so this week, I want to turn to a couple of toys that were available uh, from a time when both Monkey 1 and Monkey 2 were growing up. The first of which is very apt for us. It's actually the Sea Monkeys, our cousins, the Sea Monkeys. The box looked amazing and the reality of what you got was anything but. I'm just looking at a picture of the box, the amazing live Sea Monkeys. Live pets versus people in the action game of the century. You're buying into this, aren't you? You're getting excited, Monkey 2, yeah? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed, okay. I am. And and then there's a picture and it says, a team of live racing sea monkeys included. And you're thinking, wow, this is just so epic. I have to have some sea monkeys for myself. They were brought to you by the, <laughs> maybe the giveaways in the name of the company that distributed them, the Transients Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're going to be around for the long haul, aren't they? What you actually got was some uh, a packet of microscopic crustaceans. <laughs> Weren't they just and, tiny? And you poured this powder into some water. Maybe it added something else with it, or maybe it had some feed in the powder. It, it, it was in the powder. It was all in we powder, had wasn't some, it? We yeah, had some yeah. a few years ago. And literally, they would eventually appear as some very, very small moving thing in water. You've got a, like a little aquarium for them. Did you remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, you did. You had a tiny little thing, and you, within days, these little tiny things were sort of fluttering around in the water. And they even gave you, I think this is quite telling, they gave you a little magnifying glass so you could <laughs> spot them. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I think that tells you everything you need to know about sea monkeys. And then within about four days, if you're anything like us, which can't keep anything alive, uh, they would be dead. Live pets versus people in the action game of the century. A team of live racing sea monkeys included. How the hell did they not fall foul of trading standards? I well, do not you, know. Well, how do you get them to race? How do you line them up? On your marks, get... No, come on. Come on, Twinkle. Back, back, back. In episode two of Brass Monkeys, we talked about um, advances in technology with Tin Can Alley, which was quite interesting. Um, this week, though, I want to turn you to Simon. Simon says this was, this was the big game. It was released by MB Games. Do you remember MB Games? Oh, I do. Yeah. I do remember them so very well. So it was a round uh, sort of three-dimensional disc with four buttons on it, red, yellow, blue, and green. In the middle, it had some buttons on a couple of switches. And it looked great because it lit up. I do remember friends having them. And I remember being at school, you know, on the last day of term where you're allowed to wear what you wanted and could bring in toys and games. There was always a Simon or a pocket Simon because they did a portable one for playing in cars or on trains. I didn't know whatever. that. I didn't know. Oh, was yeah. One. Yeah. Pocket Simon. Yeah, that was um, that was very popular. The big one was it was quite a big thing. It must have been about about 30 centimetres across. And as you say, it had the four coloured blocks on and the the switches in the middle but yeah they it was surprisingly addictive wasn't it but it was and basically what it would do is it would run a sequence of 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 the lights operating and then you know you had to you had to follow it and it, was, and it played a tone as well it played a tune it, yeah. different notes yeah bearing in mind this was 1978 when it came out so yeah we were we were all easily pleased at that time <laughs> weren't we just it was the miracle of the age and they're still making it apparently it's now owned by hasbro 
but apparently you can still buy them. Some of our, our younger Brass Monkeys listeners might actually recall games like Bop It, which are, I mean, you know, they're, they're effectively a continuation of the basic idea. Have you ever played with a Bop It? Yeah, we've got one of those, and it is. It's like a, a more three-dimensional exactly. and more irritating it, version of Simon. Yeah. Taking it to the next level. TV shows. There were two particularly big shows that stuck in my mind at this time. One was the legend that gave us the other legend, the Hoff, the which Hoff. of course was Night Rider. I came across a channel that was showing Night Rider episodes, and I I'd found some old episodes of uh, the A Team. I thought, oh, I used to love the A Team, and I watched it, and I was like, this is crap, really <laughs> crap. And so I went into watching five minutes of Knight Rider on the same basis. And yet, do you know what? I watched the whole episode and I absolutely loved it. Brilliantly executed. It was it was so slick. Very slick. That was uh, the word I was going to use. Yes, very slick. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I can't believe I'm saying this because I wasn't that much of a fan when it came out the first time. Hey, I've got admiration for the Hoff as well. Oh, yeah. Call him Wooden, if you like, and you can always say, as they said at the time, that he was outacted by the car. Uh, William Daniels was the man who was providing the voice of Kit, the car, the Night Industries 2000, which was the car's actual title. Uh, he was also to go on later to be the next-door neighbour, the hard-put-upon next-door neighbour, Mr Feeney, who, uh, who the lads used to give hell to over the fence. He was also their headmaster, I think, wasn't he? Or their teacher at some point. I, that was I, in what? Boy Meets World? Boy Meets World, yeah. We'll have to look it up. We'll, we'll put a link to IMDb. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Or something. Yeah. And uh, go back a few years as well. He was also, he played the father of Benjamin in uh, The Graduate. He was his on-screen father. I love it. Where do you store this stuff? Well, I don't in know. I can't remember. Well, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember this sort of thing. So as long as I can remember the stuff that keeps me happy, that's enough for me. Time to go and scratch your ass for a minute. Of course, Knight Rider was a product of Hollywood's greatest TV show mogul. Glenn A. Larson, yes, also responsible for things like the A-Team, as you mentioned earlier. Which was good, but it's just dated a bit for me. Just yeah, to... I... I still think it has it has appeal, but I mean the cracks are there. I mean you only have to look. I mean these people were supposed to be special forces, yet they couldn't hit a barn door at thirty paces. <laughs> Certainly, everybody they fired at got back up. They were very good at shooting tires out, I think. But um, yeah, that was another one. And uh, Magnum, that was that was See, another Mag Glenn Magnum. A. Larson. Magnum's a classic, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, timeless. Yeah. That I mean, Absolutely great timeless. location, photogenic uh, lead, helicopters, Ferrari. Yeah, very cool. Dobermans. And, um, and, a, and a very good foil in um, Higgins. Higgins. Higgins, that's it. Who sadly died not so long ago, actually. Did he? He was, uh, he was I... great, wasn't he? Because he, he played that so dry, didn't he? Everyone thought he was um, he was actually British. He wasn't. He was actually an American actor. <laughs> If you've got anything you want us to cover, as always, get in touch. Yep, check us out. We're Brass Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z or Z, depending on your preference. Uh, we're everywhere. Just type that into Google uh, with an at in front of it and you will find us somehow. Fabulous. Thanks, Monkey2. Um, so I don't know about your holiday this year, but my holiday, uh, it looks like it's been well and truly canned. So I've been uh, thinking about different ways of enjoying 
being somewhere other than in my tree which is a lovely tree i have to say good foliage good source of food at the bottom of the tree um, i've been spending some of my time enjoying surfing the webcams around the world what a brilliant concept you can just sit in your tree and take yourself to a place and enjoy the world via webcam but i i know you you've been doing a bit of this as well since we first talked about it but one of my favorites is actually a webcam uh capturing a bridge and one of the canals in venice in italy and it's it's just lovely just watching it yes wow i started watching it actually at the beginning of lockdown and it was quite interesting because at the beginning of lockdown, I was curious as to how the rest of the world was functioning. And I was watching this bridge and a bridge is a really good place because it's a focal point that, you know, people have got to cross. And in those first sort of days and weeks, it was really interesting watching people. And it was very quiet. The shops were all closed. You would see the odd person and you could see that they, interestingly, were all masked with virtually nobody on the streets. They were all walking around those who were on the streets with masks on. And as an aside, another interesting thing I observed about Venetians, they all walk around with shopping carts. Shollies, they call them. Shollies, thank you very much. Well, all Venetians seem to have a sholly. That's a place that I know I would like to go to when I get the opportunity to. But in the meantime, just watching that little canal and that bridge in Venice in Italy is a wonderful holiday for me. I've been very fortunate that we have been there. Well, a long time ago I went. It's it's a beautiful city, absolutely beautiful. And it's... Um... It's very cool that you've you found a webcam where you can go and enjoy it. I'll tell you, the one thing that I did notice when I was there, and this was a long time ago, was it did smell, but I believe they've cleaned the place up a huge amount. That won't come across on a webcam, of course, but I suppose if that was still the case, you could enjoy it without the uh, without the reek from there the canal. There you canals. go. There's the benefit. I'm, I'm enjoying Venice without the reek of the canal. But that's that's selling it short. I mean, I'm I'm sure Venice is a very different place. It's a good sort of twenty odd years ago I was last there, and I'm, I'm sure it's changed immeasurably. Uh, interesting, you mentioned about bridges and your little window on the world. Uh, my my window on the world has also included a bridge, but slightly bigger than the one across the canals in Venice. It's the Golden Gate Bridge in uh, San Francisco, that iconic red structure which uh, links the Marin Headlands to the the city. And um, there is a webcam. Uh, we'll, again, we'll find the link and post it. And you can just sit and look at traffic going backwards and forwards across that bridge. And whilst there's slightly less traffic on there, um, it's quite telling that America still seems to be up and moving. Let's talk about next week. Cars, lots for us to talk about, lots of exciting things. If you are in the UK, which many of you are, then you might just have heard about Crossrail. If you're in London or the surrounding areas, then you will definitely have. It's a huge engineering project to build a, a railway tunnel from east to west across Greater London and link um, Kent and Essex right the way through to Berkshire. It's massively over budget. It's massively over time. It's been delayed. And guess what? News today, it's been delayed again. We're going to touch on that and see who is responsible, who's milking a fat cat salary whilst they fail in their job. I uh, want to talk about sheds because lots of people who haven't been going on holiday have spent time in their garden improvising and uh, a lot of people have converted their sheds into new things whether it be a bar or a workshop for creating things like um, visors for nhs workers all sorts of random things so i'm going to touch on some of that uh, lucifer lucifer of course um an alternative name for the devil um a family this week managed to overrule a registrar when they were trying to register their child's name as lucifer 
Is that a good name for a child in the 21st century? We'll just have a little bit of a talk about names such as that. Damien, 666 and all that kind of stuff. Sorry if your name's Damien, by the way. I'm not saying that you've got 666 tattooed on your head, but actually you might want to just go in the mirror and check just in case. Uh, new normals, going to the pub, restaurants for a meal for the first time. Uh, monkey monkey one and, uh, and family went to the pub actually in the last week. Uh, it was an interesting experience. I'll share a bit of detail on that with you. Hopefully it's not going to last like this for too much longer. Bring on the vaccine. Uh, also, we're going to talk about some of our um, nostalgic toys and things. A um, couple of items that have come up for review this week are the Stylophone, uh, which could be a bit controversial, seeing as there's a certain Antipodean uh, entertainer who was involved in the marketing and advertising of that. But hey, fair game as far as I'm concerned. Watch ya. <laughs> uh, and also and also, and also, uh, can you tell what it is yet? Uh, yeah, I, was, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> I'm nothing you. if not predictable, Monkey <laughs> 2, you know me. Uh, and also, Save me uh, from doing it. also want to talk about Vertibird. Could sound dirty if you said it the wrong way, couldn't it? Oi, Vertibird. Uh, anyway, Sounds like an act. If you want to know more about Vertibird, you know where you need to be. It's right here for Brass Monkeys, episode four, next week. So check us out on the socials. We're at Brass Monkeys, E-E-Z on the end. Send us anything you think would be interesting. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you. Ta-ra!